blue wire. Touchdown pass, 5-4-0 in the 5-0-4. Jackson takes it himself, look at him dart back and forth. Oh, he broke his ankles, he is Houdini. Watson stays on his feet, throws on the run, touchdown. Watson, a magician. Mahomes winds it up, wide open as Hill. How quick was that? Welcome to another episode of the My Sports Update Football Podcast. I am your host, Ari Marov, and I am really, really excited for this episode. There is a lot going on, but first and foremost, we have a very special guest on this week with ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter joining the podcast. We talked about a lot of different topics, including the quarterback movement, the NFL draft, the NFL schedule, which is coming out on Thursday night, the ramifications of the COVID-19 pandemic, and we also had some fun talking about his career, his Twitter, ESPN, some tips, and much, much more. It is a 45-minute conversation with Adam Schefter. Some really good stuff from him. Before we go to Adam, some exciting news to announce here. My podcast network, Blue Wire, is doing a giveaway. With this podcast, the My Sports Update Football Podcast, we are going to pick two winners who will get their choice of an officially licensed NFL jersey. You pick the player, they'll ship it to you. We're going to have two winners. All you have to do is go to the Apple Podcast app, leave a five-star rating and a review on this podcast. In the review, leave a comment with which team had the best draft in 2020 and which player was the biggest steal. The answers which are the best and closest to my thinking will win. Two winners, free NFL jersey of your choice, Blue Wire is supplying the jerseys. The winners will be announced during next week's episode of the My Sports Update Football Podcast. So make sure you go do that right now while I read off this ad from our exclusive partner, betonline.ag. So with currently no sports going on, there's no football, no basketball, no hockey, no baseball, you might think there is nothing to bet on. Well, you are wrong. Our exclusive partner, betonline.ag, still has hundreds of events and games and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they are bringing Vegas to you. Do you miss the NFL? No problem. BetOnline has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can bet on. It is all open 24 hours a day. It is all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. So with all of that taken care of now, I hope you guys signed up for the giveaway. I thought it was a clever idea by Blue Wire. You tell me who had the best draft in 2020. Tell me which player was the biggest steal. If it matches or it's close to what I think, then you get an NFL jersey. We'll have two winners. I thought it's pretty cool, so go do that if you haven't done so yet. Alrighty, let's get to the main event here of the podcast. It is Adam Schefter of ESPN. He joined me on this week's episode. If anybody knows me, they know I have the utmost respect for Adam Schefter, for the work that he does, for the help that he's given me um, on this ride with my sports update. So here it is, my full discussion with ESPN NFL insider, Adam Schefter. 
Joining me now here on the My Sports Update Football Podcast, it is a man who needs no introduction, but I'll give him one anyways. He is a senior NFL insider for ESPN, the author of five books. You see him all over ESPN. You follow him on Twitter. It is Adam Schefter. Adam, how are you? Thank you for having me today, Ari. Nice to be with you. Definitely. I really appreciate you coming on here today, Adam. We have a lot to get to here, but I want to start with some football news, a podcast with Adam Schefter. Without football news would not make any sense, and a lot has happened since the world turned upside down. Let's start off by talking some quarterbacks. On Saturday night, you broke the news that Andy Dalton was signing with the Dallas Cowboys, a move that just came out of left field. Why Dallas, and how did this come together? Well, it's actually very simple and very logical. And when you think about it, it really made the most sense for Andy Dalton, more so than any other place he could have gone. And I say that because of this. He's got a home in the Dallas area. So there was not a starting quarterback job anywhere. So if you're going to be a backup this season, where else would it make more sense than being a backup on a place where, number one, the quarterback is unsigned. The starting quarterback has not signed his franchise tender, and who knows when he will. I will assume that he does. I mean, so it's not, it's not like he went there with the idea, okay, I'm going to Dallas because I think I'm going to get the starting job there. That, but, again, it's a good team with an unsigned quarterback with a great offensive line, which is something he didn't have in Cincinnati. He was going to get paid $3 million with upside to seven if he plays, and he's going to be a free agent after next season. So if he doesn't play it all this year, he'll still be a guy that's on the open market at the outset of free agency, which is something that he was not able to do this year. That's number one. Number two, we're living through a pandemic right now, right? Mm -hmm. And so while we're in a pandemic, he doesn't have to move. He's in the home that he was at, okay? He's in Dallas, has a home in Dallas, doesn't have to go anywhere, stays in Dallas, doesn't have to deal with movers. No state tax. His money's worth more in Dallas than it would be in some other places. So when you look at it through that prism, it makes a lot of sense. You tell me a place that would have made more sense than Dallas now that we look at it that way. The, the idea of him going to Dallas and staying home during a pandemic and he doesn't have to move makes a lot of sense. But the only other logical destination for me would have been Jacksonville where they have a quarterback in Gardner Minshew. There is no competition there, so you could be the guy possibly. And the number two, Jay Gruden, his former offensive coordinator, is there. They were together for three years, and he had success during those three years before he left to Washington to become the head coach. That was the only other logical destination for me. And that's fine, Art, but I would say this. Gardner Minshew is their starting quarterback. That's how they figure it. So if Gardner Minshew doesn't play well this year and Jacksonville wants to sign Andy Dalton next year, they can still do that. But so, he gets to be at home. He gets to be at home right now for a really good franchise. And so right. that's something that I think that he found appealing. Yeah, as you know, some people thought that Andy Dalton would make sense also in New England with Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Clearly not. Is Jared Stidham the quarterback for the Patriots in 2020? Is that Bill Belichick's plan? I think we operate with the idea that he will be the guy right now until further notice. Now, look, he can go to training camp, assuming there is training camp, whenever there is training camp and not play well, and then everything comes to question. But I think they go into training camp thinking, expecting that he's going to be the guy. And I think it's fair to say it's his job to lose, so to speak. Now, again, that doesn't ensure that he plays well in training camp, 
plays well in preseason games, assuming there are preseason games. But right now going in, Jarrett Stidham is the Patriots' starting quarterback. Yes, that's the plan going in. And we'll see how that shakes out. Yeah, by the way, I love how Bill Belichick operates where everyone before the draft kept on saying that the Patriots will draft a quarterback at some point in this draft. And then Bill Belichick doesn't draft any quarterbacks in any round in this year's draft. So it does look like Jarrett Stidham will get the shot to start for the New England Patriots and take over for Tom Brady in the first year that he's not there. There is a quarterback, though, on the market who has been a league MVP more recently than Aaron Rodgers, who has been to the Super Bowl more recently than Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. I'm talking about Cam Newton. What is going on with him? It's been over a month since he became a free agent. What's the latest? It's, it's also pretty simple. Again, there are physical question marks uh, mm-hmm. with him. And not only are there physical question marks, but he has a certain set of expectations, it sounds like, to where he thinks and believes that he should be a starting quarterback. And you understand that with the way that he's played and the skill set that he has and the talents he has. But the fact of the matter is, I don't see anybody in the NFL, Jacksonville, New England included, that's willing to turn over its starting quarterback job to Cam Newton at a time where he can't even work with them during the offseason program, at a time where there are medical question marks and he can't get examined, at a time where he's going to want Cam Newton-type money that I don't think a team is going to be willing to give him. And so Cam Newton, in my mind, has to do the same thing that Andy Dalton did. And it's not my life, it's his. But take a one-year deal and hit the free agent market at the start of free agency, which is something he didn't do this offseason. The Panthers released him two, three weeks into free agency. And by then, most of the starting quarterback jobs were filled. So he's got to reset the market, so to speak. He's got to reset the uh, circumstances surrounding his situation. And the way to do that is to take a one-year deal and whatever you think is the best situation. I really thought that Cam Newton should have gone to Dallas. Uh, again, but in his own mind, he's a starter, which he wouldn't have been in Dallas. He thinks he's worth a certain amount of money, which I don't think he would have gotten in Dallas. But again, I think you've got to revise your expectations when you're released two, three weeks into free agency at the time of a pandemic and being in the current situation that we're in. So it's just a different deal now. And Cam would be better off, I think, hitting free agency when it happens next offseason. So if that's the case, you take the best job, whatever that is right now. And I don't know that he's mentally there right now. I haven't spoken to him to know that. Yeah, and it's kind of frustrating what happened to Cam because, A, as you said, he was released in middle of free agency after all the other quarterbacks signed, like Rivers and Brady and Bridgewater. B, he does have the injury concern with the foot and the shoulder. And in his scenario, teams would want to check him out, bring him into the building. And then this year is the one year where he obviously can't do that because of the pandemic. And then three, as a former number one overall pick, all you know as a quarterback is starting the game. In high school, in college, in the NFL. He's been starting his entire career. And here you are as a free agent. You're being told that the best case scenario is you're going to come in and compete for the starting job. So I understand why Cam is taking his time. And he's waiting. And he wants to be a starter. But um, this is something we're going to continue to monitor. Um, Obviously, it's a tough situation for the former MVP. Let's move over to the draft. And there were two quarterback moves that shocked people. I want to get your take on exactly what happened there. First off, Jordan Love going to the Packers. They trade up for him. What was the thinking behind taking him at number 26? And what implications 
does it have for Aaron Rodgers in the near future? They obviously identified a quarterback that they believe has the potential to succeed Aaron Rodgers the way that Aaron Rodgers once succeeded Brett Favre. And so they, they went and drafted him. Now, again, I wouldn't have had an issue if they just sat right where they were and took Jordan Love. But when they trade up, it's almost like it's even more aggressive and more desperate to go get that guy to go replace Aaron Rodgers. You give him a fourth-round pick that could have been used on a wide receiver, which is a position they didn't address at all mm-hmm. during the draft, which was interesting to me. And they took Jordan Love. And so they think that he's going to be the guy going forward. Now, again, everybody knows he's not going to be ready this year, maybe not even next year. But I just think that when you take a guy like that, you put your quarterback on the clock. Just that's the way it is. You don't draft a guy in the first round and think, oh, boy, we're going to have him here as a backup for four years and then let him walk. We're going to pick up the fifth-year option and pay him all that money. So Aaron Rodgers got three, four years maybe less, uh, to prove that he's the guy. Or if Jordan Love develops at a rapid pace, then they're going to have an interesting decision to make. And, and so, you know, you got a team that was in the NFC Championship game last year, one game away from the Super Bowl, in a draft that was as deep at wide receiver as it's ever been, and they decided to go quarterback. It, it's, it's, if it works out long-term, if Jordan Love turn, turns out to be that guy, people will say that was a smart move. If it turns out that he uh, does not – turn out to be that guy, then people will question that move. I mean, that, that's just the way that it is. Like, is the case with every first-round draft pick. I mean, there's just so much to it, Adam. Like, I, as you said, they traded up. That's one thing. Number two, Aaron has a big contract, which they just gave him. Number three, when they did it with Favre, Favre was contemplating retirement, and Rodgers dropped to them. In this scenario, Rodgers is not contemplating anything. They need wide receivers. They are one game away from the Super Bowl. They have two running backs who are entering the final year of their contract, so why not win now before you have to pay them? And also, I feel... And, 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 and before you get to that, I, yeah. I think the reason they traded up, that they had said that there was a team that was going to come up, and I think that they think that that team was going to be the Indianapolis Colts. I think a lot of people thought that the Colts would come up to go get Jordan Love because the night before the draft, uh, they, they had a Zoom conference call with Jordan Love and were putting in time with Jordan Love the night before the draft, the Colts were. But I was told throughout that day that the Colts, under no circumstances, would be trading back into the first round. So I think the Packers thought that they might be the Colts, but they never were. And so, again, we'll never really know, but I don't believe that they had to move up to go get Jordan Love. I think they could have sat where they were and got Jordan Love, but they liked the guy enough to go trade up for him, and that's their call. And, and you know, it's that sounds fairly similar to what happened with the Giants and Daniel Jones when they took him at number six because they thought somebody would come up to take him before their second first-round pick. And I'm pretty sure the one who said there were no other teams who were looking to get him that high. <laughs> yeah. Well, here we go again, right? It's always, it's you know, so it's always uh, different interpretations and talking to people, and um, you know, if the Packers have a team other than the Colts that was willing to move up for Jordan Love, then they know more than I do, and that's possible. That's that's definitely possible. But I believe that the team they thought was moving up was the Colts, and I'm going to tell you right now, the Colts were not moving up to go get him. I guess when you want your quarterback, you go up and get him before somebody else does. If you like him that much, that is what you do. That is my final conclusion out of all this. What about another quarterback, the one that went after Jordan Love? It is Jalen Hurts to the Eagles. You know Eagles fans. I know Eagles fans. They're very passionate, and they weren't so happy at the time. No, and I disagree. 
agree with this one. I, I think this was a, I think this was a good pick. I, I actually like it. Hmm. And I'll tell you why I like it because um, first of all, they did draft three other wide receivers. Okay. And who are they going to get there that, that you like more? Who's more valuable than a backup quarterback? Did they not lose a game in the playoffs last year because of their backup quarterback play in the playoffs? Do they not have – hey, Benny, one second. My dog, come here. Hold on. You have that issue, and then you've got a quarterback who I believe has played in – I think it's two postseason games of the six that they've played in in recent years. So, uh, you know, Carson Wentz, as great as he is, it has not been a model of durability. So you need to ensure that position. You do it with a guy that uh, I believe would have been a second-round draft pick if they hadn't picked him, a guy that a lot of teams really liked. Uh, a guy that has potential, and and even if he doesn't play, and you don't need him. Now you've got a backup quarterback chosen in the second round on a rookie contract. That that's a great value, considering that other backup quarterbacks are making I don't know three, four, five, six, seven million dollars a year, and you're not paying your backup guy that. So now you get to spend money on other positions. Uh, so so to me, I I like the position. You know, they, they like this guy's attitude. They like this guy's talent and skill set. Uh, they think he's a winner. I don't have an issue with that pick in the second round. I understand that, but this is my thing with it. I look at the Eagles, and last year they were demolished by injuries, like crushed by it all over their team. But Carson Wentz was the one guy who actually started all 16 games, and then he got knocked out in the playoffs because of a hit that many consider to be dirty by Jadavian Clowney. He got a concussion. It happens. It could happen in any game. It happened to happen in the playoffs. But um, with Jalen Hurts now in the fold, is the plan for him actually just to be a backup quarterback, or are they going to use him in some other ways, maybe like the Saints do of Taysom Hill? I think the plan is to have him as a backup quarterback. That, that's what I think. Now, if you, you know, you want to use him in other ways, you have that ability. I, I don't know. I don't think that's why they made the pick. Um, and, and by the way, Ari, also there's one other thing that got taken out of context somewhere along the way. I don't know why. Well, I think I have an idea why, but um, again, I spoke to some teams that told me before the draft that having a backup quarterback and the Eagles are not one, by the way, but having a backup quarterback would be more important this season than ever before because of the virus and the pandemic, because who's to say that someone on your team, like in addition to the injury risks, there's the virus risk for anybody this year, right? Like we don't know. You're hearing about a second wave. Who knows? Anybody could get sick anytime, right? A head coach, an assistant coach, a player, a quarterback. So there's added exposure for any player or any particular individual within an organization that we don't know how that's going to play out. Assuming the season is going to play out. So the, the argument that was made to me by a couple of different teams was the backup quarterback this year is more important than ever before. That's their belief, right or wrong. I, I would agree with that. 100% I would agree with that, especially, as you said, during this time of year. And I thought that was what the Bengals were doing with Andy Dalton. I thought they were going to keep him with Joe Burrow, let him be the backup because he knows Zach Taylor's offense, and then let him be a free agent next year. Yeah, well, again, so let's just apply that thinking to Philadelphia, which was not one of the teams that shared that with me. And that is just one more argument as to why, again, I've got no issues with taking Jalen Hurts there. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it's just amazing how much quarterback turnaround the NFL has seen over the last couple of years. I'm not sure if you saw this tweet that I put out recently, but here it is. With Andy Dalton's release, there are now only three 
quarterback wide receiver combos that have played together for more than four years. Did you see that tweet, Adam? I, I did not see that, dude, no. Okay, so you think you can name all three of them? Because I found this stat to be incredible. I've never seen this much quarterback movement in the NFL over a year-plus span. Repeat the question one more time, Ari. So with Andy Dalton now released, there are only three quarterback-wide receiver combos in the NFL that have played together for more than four years together. Who are they? Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Okay, there's one. Keep on going. I kind of put you on the spot. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, okay. hold on. I, I'm, not, I'm not giving up just yet. Hold <laughs> on. I, I, I want a moment to think about this. Uh, Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. Close, but no. They've been together for four years, but I'm looking for more than four years. Okay. Matthew Stafford and Marvin Jones. Close again, but once again, they were together for four years, not more than four. Next year will be five, but not yet. Okay. Um, Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett. That's number two. That was the hard one, but okay. One more. And then my last one would be Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. There you go. That's the three. That's the three. There you go. It's amazing. Andy Dalton, AJ Green is done. Brady Edelman is done. Rivers and Keenan Allen is done. Luck and T.Y. Hilton are done. Big Ben and Antonio Brown is done. I mean, the amount of change the NFL has seen over the last couple of years is quite incredible. That's, that's the league. That's just the way it always is. That's, that's, that's how I'm able to stay in business. A hundred percent. Yep. <laughs> so l- let's move on to another topic here. We have a lot more stuff to get to. I want to talk about the NFL schedule, which is supposed to come out this week. I feel like that is very risky because we don't know really what the world will look like in a month from now, let alone four months from now when the season is supposed to start. What well, I, th- I, think, I, th- I think we will have an idea what the, wor- the world will look like, I believe, three, four months from now, exactly what it looks like today. So if that's the case, what are going to be some contingency plans for the schedule? I mean, like, if we can't start in know. September, could they, like, yeah. move weeks one to four to, like, the back end of the year? Like, how would this work? Ari, I, I don't know where this is all going. I don't know if anybody can answer that at this point in time. What I would say is when they release the schedule, I don't think it's all that interesting to think, oh, boy, the Saints are playing the Buccaneers in week four and the Broncos are playing the Chargers in week seven. I think what's more interesting are the configurations that the league has adapted and adjusted into, knowing that, okay, well, if we lose the first three weeks of the season, it's all divisional matchups in the last three weeks of the season. And the Super Bowl can go from being played when it is in Tampa to being the last Sunday in February in Tampa. It's all the variables that are attached to the schedule that's going to be interesting, not the actual matchups themselves, I believe. Right. I just feel like they're just setting themselves up for a disaster by putting it out this week because you just said you you think we're going to be the same exact way when the season rolls around. If that's the case, then obviously the season can start on time and they're going to have to make some significant changes to the schedule. So why are we doing it now? Um, By the way, another thing that I think you're the one who brought this up, but it's not getting enough attention at all. Considering the pandemic and how everything has stopped in the world, I think people are not talking about how the salary cap in 2021 is going to be affected big time by this whole thing. This could end up being brutal economically for the NFL. Just explain to people how the cap is going to take a hit if this pandemic keeps on going or if we even if we do have games, but no fans in the stands, the revenue is going to take a massive hit, right? Well, I, I made this point on my podcast last week. Uh, if you'll allow me to just plug uh, here, the Adam Schefter podcast, right? I, I, that's so, where I heard it, I guess. Yeah. 
And so at the beginning of my podcast last week, what I said was this. Um, and again, it's a hypothetical, right? So I want to be very clear about this, but it's a plausible hypothetical at this point in time. If there are no fans in the stands this year and they play the games, let's say they play 16 games season, no fans, that would mean roughly $100 million less revenue per team. That would be $3.2 billion less revenue, which would be factored into the 2021 salary cap. And the various estimates that I've gotten from various people, from team executives to club owners, is that the salary cap could be down anywhere from $30 million to $80 million in 2021. Now, you might say, well, okay, the NFL, the NFLPA, they're going to meet and they won't let that happen. And that's fine. Okay, I, I agree. They're going to do what they can to mitigate the damage. But if owners have $100 million on average less revenue per team, they're not absorbing those losses by themselves. And they're under no obligation to do anything different because the CBA spells out that the salary cap for any given year is derived off the total revenues from that year. And if total revenues are down $3.2 billion, and it may be more, it may be less, the salary cap will be adjusted accordingly. So then it creates all kinds of interesting issues and situations. And if you're the New England Patriots and have two quarterbacks that aren't paid anything, then you are sitting in a great spot. If you're the Dallas Cowboys paying Dak Prescott or the Chiefs paying Patrick Mahomes a huge contract, well, you might be squeezing the rest of your roster if the cap drops. And again, these are all hypotheticals. We don't know how it's going to play out. But these are potential scenarios to just think about, discuss, wonder about. How will this happen? What would happen? What's the deal? And, and, and these are possible. They're within the realm of possibility. You mentioned Patrick Mahomes. Is something like this a reason as to why he wouldn't get an extension this offseason and he might push it off a little bit? Well, what I would say to that would be that you – you're not seeing a tremendous amount of extensions, period. Short of Christian McCaffrey, how many huge extensions have been done this offseason? Um, nothing significant. Laramie Tunsil was one, but that's about it. And, sure. and I think as the, as the pandemic has gone on and as everybody has recognized how serious and significant it is and how much uncertainty there is, do you think that teams want to commit millions and millions and millions of dollars to a player when they don't even know for sure whether there will be games this year or how there will be games or the revenue that will be made off the games if there are games? Um, probably not. Probably not in that case. But the reason really I brought up Patrick Mahomes is because He's, the, he's basically the big fish when it comes to extensions here this offseason. I think you've said a few times that he could end up getting $40-plus million a season in his new deal. And if you put that type of a number into a team's salary cap, and if the cap really does take a big hit like, could, like it could possibly happen if the pandemic keeps on going, that is a major, major number. Yeah, and so, again, look... You know, we're taking this day by day, right? We're trying to figure out when's the schedule coming out, how they're going to do it, will there be games, will it be fair? So, I mean, we're, we're getting 18 steps ahead of ourselves, mm -hmm. but you're, your mind is allowed to wander to spots like that. And you can go through various mental exercises to figure out certain things for which there are no answers right now, but clearly will be questions in the future. 
yeah, there is some time until this does become something very serious, but it is pretty significant and we will watch that very, very closely. Let's move on to some questions about you. Some of these questions are mine. Some of these are from my followers. I asked them to send in some questions. We have some really good ones here, but the first one that I have over here is for me. Because when I put out the tweet asking for questions, I got 25 plus DMs with people saying, ask Adam why my wife left me. What's up with so many people who follow you who had their wives leave them? Like, I know it's a joke, but it's been a joke for five or six years already, and I still don't understand it. Do you understand it? Like, why did that happen to you? Well, is it just me that's going on with you? Tell it's me. Just, I, mean, I think it's, it's just you and like sometimes Woj. I don't see it anywhere else. Well... I feel bad for all the people <laughs> whose wives left them, especially at a time of a pandemic. And I, I, I don't know the origins of this. I, I have noticed some of it. Uh, you know, I basically just tune it out because you, you try to tune it out every now and then you see the stuff, but obviously there, there's some sort of inside joke that, that we're not privy to at this point in time, whatever, whatever that is. And that's fine. So if, pe if people are, are entertaining themselves and deriving, uh, amusement and laughter and pleasure at us then, then have at it during this time yeah I have no I really don't know where it started from um, I just see it a lot especially in your comments and um, I know you had fun with it when Field Yates got married but um, I still don't get it and I still will probably never understand it anyways we have a question now here from Alex who says, Adam, I know you're a big fantasy guy. Do people drive you crazy for fantasy advice? And do you take advantage in fantasy of knowing stuff before everyone else? Like if a starting running back is out for four weeks, do you pick up his backup first and then report the news? Well, let me say that, um, number one, I don't have a ton of people text me like that, you know, for advice. Like what, what kind of bothers me a little bit is, you know, I'll, I'll be doing the, Sunday pregame show, Sunday countdown on ESPN on Sundays, 10 to 1. And I'll get a text from somebody like at 1040. Hey, is this guy playing? And I'm thinking to myself, when I know, it'll be on the show. Like, why, why, or it'll be on my Twitter timeline. It'll be on Instagram. Like, wh why are you texting me in the middle of my show? I, so, uh, again, that's when, that's, that, those are times when I, sometimes I, I don't understand, you know, people's thinking. I understand how important it is to people. I get, I get it. I, I, it's that important to me. You know, I'll text Woj on, on a basketball question. Hey, when, when is Damian Lillard coming back from his groin injury? I need him on my team. Okay. I mean, I understand that, but there's also, there's a time and a place for everything. Uh, and in regards to that inside information, it's happened a couple of times. I remember one time where I was sitting at dinner. I got a text that the Browns had traded a first round pick for Trent Richardson to the mm -hmm. Colts. Um, or the Browns traded him to the Colts. Right. And I rushed to go pick up, I think, um, Willis McGahee and Matthew Berry had already claimed him. Like, so I'm like, okay, from now on, <laughs> I'm getting the news and I'm, and I'm picking up the guy and then I'm filing it so Matthew doesn't snake me on my own information. Honestly, I don't really blame you. I would do the same if I was in your position. I think you're the one who once said um, football is the number one sport in the world and fantasy football is number two. That's just, that's just how important it is to people. Yeah, well, it's true. And by the way, a lot of times, and I've had this happen, a coach will say to me, you know, there was one year, I remember this specifically, you know, I needed Tim Hasselbeck to win a game. He was playing, it might have been Matthew Berry, I don't know. And, and I'm like, oh boy, he, and he had a, 
his one of his receivers was hurt, and I was on the phone with a coach, and the coach was saying this player was going to have a big day. And the guy was in the waiver wire, you know, and, and I said, I called Tim. I said, hey, I don't, I don't ever do this, but go pick up, go pick up this guy today and, and start him. He said, yeah. I said, yeah. Well, on the first play of the game, the team throws a long pass to him. Guy drops it, gets benched, doesn't play the rest of the game, puts up a zero. So, so the point of it is, as I've often found, the more you know, the less you know. It just, it's that simple. Uh, it, re- it really is. Like, I could know, boy, this team loves this guy. Like, I, I think back to last year, I remember a certain individual telling me about a certain running back that they thought was going to be unbelievable. And I went and drafted this running back high. And, and so um, it doesn't matter who. But the point is, you know, you, you know, somebody believed in this guy with conviction, made me believe in the guy, drafted the guy. Guy wasn't good. He was okay. He was okay. He was decent. So it's just, again, the more you know, the less you know. And sometimes it's better to pick, you know, old reliable. Adam Thielen in round three, sitting there. You know, go take him. You know, whatever it may be. And you know what? That is what makes fantasy so great. I mean, sometimes in my leagues, I feel like the guy who doesn't really know anything, he somehow ends up making it to the finals. I mean, fantasy just works in weird ways sometimes. Anyways, we have another question here from Jeff who says, what is the biggest difference you've seen in the NFL from, let's say, 10 years ago to now? Well, when you ask me the biggest change, I guess I would say this, Ari, that the interest in the NFL seems to rise every year. The interest in fancy football seems to rise every year. And so if the interest of football and the interest of fancy football rise, then I would say that there is unprecedented interest in the sport. And I also would say that there are more people critiquing it and writing about it, blogging about it, tweeting about it, journaling about it, whatever it may be. Like if you think back to the last dance uh, this past week, the Sunday night episode, Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan just liked to stay in his hotel room because he couldn't handle it anymore. And I understand that. But can you imagine what it would be like to be Michael Jordan in this day and age, as hard as it was back then? Sure. Social media didn't even exist then. Can you mm-hmm. imagine what it would be like for, to be Michael Jordan in this day and age? Holy cow, it would be crazy. Especially with the media presence. Yeah, I mean, it's absurd. And, and, I, and so I just think there's more attention on it than ever before. I think that, that would be the one change that I would yeah. say. I, I want, you know, for me, Adam, I think you'll agree with this also. It's just how general managers have become so aggressive over the years. I mean, like, you remember the trades were like non-existent yeah, yeah. ones. Like the trade deadline would just come and go. I think. Yeah, I th- well, there, there's a younger breed of general managers. They, they're they not your father's general managers anymore. Um, they grew up wanting to do things, wanting to be aggressive. They've seen other GMs and other sports be aggressive and, and so they've taken those stances and philosophies and adopted them to football, thankfully, because it's made the trade deadline more interesting. It's given us a lot more moves that you wouldn't expect. And there have been a lot more trades and deals in football over the last three, four, five years mm-hmm. than ever before. Uh, yeah, I think, it was, I think it was in um, 2015 when it really started. Do you remember like the first day of free agency in 2015? I'm pretty sure you broke all three trades. And it happened like in a span of 30 minutes. It was Nick Foles and Sam Bradford were swapped. Alodi Nada was traded to ba- from Baltimore to Detroit. And then Jimmy Graham was traded to Seattle. I think that's when it really started. Like, everyone was shocked that we were having trades in the NFL. You know, it's funny. I can remember the details of all those trades from a reporter standpoint because um, the Jimmy Graham one, Mort and I were working all day, and we were assured that nothing was happening. 
And then Jay Glazer, to his credit, got that story right as the show right. was beginning. Yeah. So that was Glazer's story. The other ones were ours, yes. Um, but as a reporter, you know, coaches remember plays and reporters remember stories and events. And I remember the Jimmy Graham story because we, we were convinced it was happening and we were talked out of it by various people. Um, and so uh, I always remembered that one. But I yes, I remember the other two as well. And I, I, I don't think it, it, it dates back to then, Ari. I really don't. I just think that there's just been a constant buildup. And as you mentioned, younger more aggressive GMs that are in charge of these decisions and they want to make things happen and they have made things happen. I feel like you're the type of person who remembers every last detail of everything you reported in the past, whether it's big or small. Of course. Like I'm the same way. Whenever I put something out and you show it to me two years later, I can tell you everything about it, where I was, what I was doing, who broke it first. I, I could probably do that. You're probably the same way, right? Yeah. Well, I, I would, I would venture to say most reporters are, like I said to you, coaches, you know, you ask Sean McVay about any play and he can tell you all the details, right? And and I can tell you all the details around all those trades that I remember because that, that's how much that stuff means to you. And so you remember all, you know, you remember the people you spoke to, you remember what they said. I, I can remember where I was. I, I, can, I, can I test you on one? Because I know the answer to it. LaShawn McCoy traded to the Bills. Uh, that's an easy one. I was driving home from ESPN. It was a, it was a snowy weekday night in February. I got the call from somebody that said that, Buffalo had signed LaShawn McCoy. I'm like, signed? They can't sign him. Free agency doesn't begin for three, four weeks here. So I, I literally pulled over to the side of the road. I had no idea where I was in Connecticut to this day, but was able to get confirmation. I remember calling the Eagles and Chip Kelly. I, I, I tried to get through to Chip, but Chip had a you'll, – you'll like this. He had, he had a commitment at a temple in Philadelphia that night. And so when Chip Kelly showed up to the temple, the temple had all these live trucks outside the temple to broadcast where he was at because that trade at that time was a big deal. And it was, it was LaShawn McCoy for Kiko Alonso. It was made in February and came out of nowhere it, and it came out of nowhere, came out of nowhere, nowhere. Right. Yep. I put out a tweet. And I, like and, and I was nowhere in Connecticut. I don't know where <laughs> I still, I still don't remember where I was, but I, but I, I could, literally picture it like i pulled over to the side of the road like made it through snow i pulled off to the side first side road i could get made a right pulled over called into sports center filed the story remember everything about it yep yeah and i remember that night pretty vividly as well um it was early march um late afternoon and it just came out of nowhere and i remember the next day you were on sports center and you were telling them how you found out about it and you just said over the story but that was pretty wild um earlier before you mentioned mort and this is a question that i've had for a while i've been wanting to ask you um you've been at espn for over 10 years now right 11 years yeah Right, so over 10 years. You're accurate, yes. I've been curious to know this. You're an insider. ESPN already had an insider when you got there with Mort, who, by the way, is just a legend in this industry. I don't really know how well you knew him at the time, but how was that transition teaming up with him originally? That's a great question, Ari. It's a great question. And I would say that you know, without Mort's support, I probably wouldn't have gotten hired at ESPN. Mort blessed the move to the bosses there, uh, encouraged them to make it, and after they hired me, he was kind enough to invite me out to dinner. And I, I had known him. We had met, but we never had spent any significant time together. And we went and had dinner at Smith and Walensky's 
uh, in New York City, the two of us, I remember sitting down and we talked for about, I don't know, two hours about life, careers, uh, what it would be like working together. He could not have been more gracious and welcoming. And again, without Mort, it doesn't happen. And I've always viewed him as like an older brother. I love working with him. Uh, he's just, he's a great man. He's got a tremendous attitude. I love the guy like a big brother, and, and uh, I've never enjoyed working with anybody more than I've enjoyed working with Mort. Yeah, and by the way, that moment that Mort had on day three of the draft with Daniel Jeremiah, that was probably my favorite moment of the entire draft. That was just so great, seeing Jeremiah telling people how Mort helped him um, over the years and how he got to this point, and Mort was a big reason for that, and seeing both of them tear up. That was just so great, so awesome, and probably, again, my favorite moment of the entire draft. Just so great. Yeah. Um, we have another question here, and for those who don't know, Adam did a um, Periscope Live recently um, giving career advice. Um, you can rewatch that, by the way, on Periscope. Anyways, this question comes from Deshavius. He said he watched your live the other day, and he wants to know, does it matter what college you go to for majoring in communications and journalism? Well, it's a good question again. And what I would say, a couple of things. First of all, you know, I did, I did a couple of things last week. Uh, one on Twitter Live, which I, I had a hard time figuring out, technologically speaking, that, that Ernie Johnson asked me to do. And then that night, and I posted this on Facebook, so I would encourage you to go back and write. They had me speak to a BBYO group. And I spoke for an hour. And, and there were a lot of great questions from a lot of young adults uh, going to college, in college, um, about the profession. And it was, I, I love, you know, giving advice in settings like that. And so if there's anybody here who's in high school or in college seeking um, some advice about this business or really any business, I, I, I would, I would be honored if they went on and watched either of those speeches. The Twitter one for Ernie Johnson was just had a lot of technical glitches from my standpoint. So that was a bit difficult. The other one is much smoother and then the other thing that I would also recommend is I gave a Zoom Ensman speech to some Michigan students on mm -hmm. Saturday. So there was a lot of speaking commitments over the last week that I um, had committed to before the draft and intentionally scheduled everything for after the draft uh, because I just thought my schedule would lighten up. And so I was able to do some of that stuff last week. And it's all documented and posted. And hopefully people will get a chance to watch it and get some advice. To answer this question, though, uh, I, I don't think it does matter where you go to school. I mean, you know, it's always better if somebody can go to a better school. But to me, what's more important is what you do at that school while you're there than going to a business school. Like, let's just say, and I'm making this up and I'm not trying to say one school is better than another, but you wanted to go to Harvard and you didn't get into Harvard, but you got into St. John's and you went to St. John's and you started working for the school newspaper and you covered the basketball team there, and you got to do these great features and behind-the-scenes stories about the basketball team. And you got some great clips to show people, some great writing experience, learn how to deal with the basketball coach, the basketball players. Are you better off doing that or going to a school like Harvard that has a great reputation? So to me, it's all about what you do when you're at a school rather than what school you go to. Sure, we all want to go to the best school possible. I understand that. That makes sense logical but just because you don't get to go to the school that you want to go to or even if you do it's all about what you do while you're there 
And so that to me is always more important than the actual school. Yeah, and also if people are looking for more videos, you also have a video on YouTube where you went back to Medill and you spoke to the students there for like an hour. It's great stuff in that video about your career and your journey. I recommend people to check that out as well. One final question here for you, Adam, and it comes from David Wagner. I actually know the answer to this, but I do have a follow-up once you're done. He wants to know, what does filing a story to ESPN mean? When you get a story, does that mean you actually have to wait before putting it out? Well, you know, again, when I first got to ESPN 11 years ago, almost 11 years ago, uh, they had a social media policy at the time because we were just trying to figure out the new world of social media. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, like we're trying to figure out the new world today with uh, the pandemic. And so at the time, it was always like, okay, well, you got to follow your story. You got to wait five minutes and then you could post it on social media. And then it became like, well, what are you waiting five minutes? And in those five minutes, sometimes people might get a story. Mm-hmm. And so now what I try to do is I try to literally send it to ESPN and post. And one might be before the other. But the truth of the matter is the news editors, I think, are watching Twitter. So if I file, as happened Saturday night, Andy Dalton is signing a one-year deal worth up to $7 million that includes $3 million guarantee with the Dallas Cowboys. I filed that to, I put it on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and I, I literally send it to the desk at almost the same time. But, you know, again, they, they see it. And what's important is that ESPN gets the credit that it deserves, that it's re- you know, recognized for having that story. That's the most important thing. So does it matter whether I put it on Twitter or file to the news desk first as long as ESPN is properly credited? I don't think it does. So uh, file to ESPN just means, I don't know, file to ESPN. I filed this to the news desk. It's ESPN's story. ESPN is on this story. Uh, Does that make any sense? No, it makes sense to me. I mean, I I knew the answer, but I actually wanted to ask you a follow-up on that. There used to be like a time in like 2013, 2014, 2015 that when you had a bombshell story, you would start to tweet with file to ESPN. And then you yeah. like stopped doing it, but then you did it again once for Andrew Luck's retirement. I'm curious to know why you stopped. Um, Just because like we knew whenever it starts like that, something big is about to happen. <laughs> well, maybe I'll bring it back. I, I actually want you to bring it back. Uh, ho- hopefully there are more instances where that's warranted. Should I have done that Saturday night? Follow yes, ESPN, Andy. yes, for Andy Dalton, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sorry I didn't. Um, I, I guess, you know, file to ESPN, y- you're always – taught to start with the most important thing. So the most important thing is Andrew Luck's retired or Andy Dalton's going to Dallas, right? Not file to ESPN. And then they'll always be on a story that is significant enough. Source or sources tell ESPN, right? Mm-hmm. You know, again, if ESPN's in there, in my mind, the story is not your everyday single, right? So if I have ESPN in there, I want to make sure that ESPN's credited. That's all. Yep, and you know I'm gonna do that for you guys always. Well, no, you 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 you're the best at that. You 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 know, I mean, you are the ultimate scorecard. You know who's first on on everything. Well, that, that's exactly what I do, Adam, and I'll continue to do that. This was fun, Adam. I really appreciate you coming here on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm knocking on wood that we're gonna have a full football season this year and everything gets back to normal. So stay safe, and we're gonna stay in touch. Well, thank you, Ari. I appreciate it. Be well, stay safe, and I hope everything's well with your family. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. 
So there it is. That was Adam Schefter of ESPN. Special thanks to Adam for joining the podcast and taking the time out of his schedule to do so. That was really fun. We got news. We got advice. We got stories. We got tips. We got behind the scenes stuff. Just a little bit of everything. There is a reason why he is the best at what he does. We are going to wrap up this episode with a few notes. First of all, the giveaway that we're doing. I mentioned it in the start of the episode. Make sure to join that. Blue Wire is giving away two NFL jerseys. There will be two winners. Simply go to the Apple Podcast app. Leave a five-star rating on this podcast and a review. In the review... Comment which team had the best draft in 2020 and which player was the biggest steal. The answers which are the best and closest to my thinking will win. And the winners will be announced during next week's episode. Pretty simple, straightforward, and you have a chance to win an NFL jersey. Also, the NFL schedule is coming out this week. We talked about that with Adam. For those who have followed the My Sports Update Twitter account for years, you know every year I'm on top of the schedule, posting ahead of time some of the marquee matchups that are on the slate for the season. I don't really have that same excitement this year, just because we really don't know if the season will start on time. If you think about it, all it takes is one player from a 90-man roster camp or a 53-man regular season roster, or one coach, or one trainer, and if they test positive, then the whole team has to be quarantined for 14 days. I really don't really know how we could have a season if that's the case. Until there is testing or treatment to this thing, I don't know how this will work out. I would take the schedule release with a grain of salt. That's just me. But um, it is exciting. We're going to have a schedule. But are the games actually going to be played during those dates? I have no idea. So um, we'll see how that goes. That does it here for this week's My Sports Update Football Podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for downloading. I really do appreciate it. I am your host, Ari Merov. I will be back with another episode next week. We have another special guest scheduled to come on. Until then, stay safe and we'll chat again soon.